Hello, this is Josh Christman, pastor of the Anchor Church of Cambridge, located in Cambridge, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life that God has called you to live. The book of John. Thank you, worship team. Amen. I could really feel the Lord moving during worship. Amen. It's so important that we worship. And how many know that worship prepares our heart for the word of the Lord? Amen. It ushers in the presence of God. And we begin to lift up the name of Jesus and sing his praises. The Bible says that he inhabits the praises of his people. Amen. And when we begin to praise him, how many know that he's in our praise? He shows up in our praise. He he responds to to our praise, and uh, um, we need to worship and involve ourselves in worship. How many know that uh, worship's just like anything else? You get out of it what you put into it. If you don't put anything into it, you might leave here this morning not having got a hold of what the Lord wants you to get a hold of, but. When we worship and sing in the songs, we're not doing that for entertainment. You know, I, I think sometimes maybe we should just turn all the lights off and, and that way you can't see the people up here and, and uh, you just close your eyes and you get in an, a world all by yourself with the Lord. Amen. And, and you begin to worship Him individually. And if every person is worshiping him individually, we are worship, worshiping him collectively. Amen. We, this is not just good songs we're picking out for everybody just to come and listen to and say, oh, yeah, that was a good song. I like that one. No, we, our whole point is to worship the Lord. Amen. And we, we attempt our, our worship leaders, they, they pray over these and, and seek God and say, Lord, what song are you in this morning? Amen. And when they begin to lift up and lead us, they're leading us in worship. Um, they shouldn't be the only ones worshiping. Somebody say amen. And so when, when, I'm, when they start leading, I close my eyes to try to get my, 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 my mind off of uh, everything around me and just focus on the words of the song. And when I start, if I'm singing the words and they're just words, it don't mean anything. But if I begin to really think about those words, and those words agree with how I feel in my heart, then they become worship. Amen. And what's flowing out of me is not just words, but I, I agree with that. And there, there, When you begin to open your heart to the Lord in praise, it's a two-way street. He will respond. Amen. And and uh, he, he's not going to kick the door down. But if you open the door, I mean, no, he's going to come in and he's going to sup with you and, and you with him. Amen. Somebody say amen. John 4, and we'll start reading at verse 4. I know you've been standing a little while, so I'll try to be long. You know, there's a story in the Bible where Paul was preaching. It says long preaching. Doesn't it? Till midnight. You could be thankful that we'll be out of here by four, you know? <laughs> Maybe. Praise God. John 4. I love to make jokes. And he must needs... Go through Samaria. All right? They were, they were getting ready to make a little bit of a journey. But on the journey, it makes mention that Jesus needed to go through Samaria. It wasn't the shortest route. In fact, it's rough terrain to get to the place that he wanted to go. It's mountainous country. Up and down. Hard walking. They didn't have a four wheeler. 
Amen. They walked everywhere they went. They didn't call Uber. <laughs> Amen. They, uh, when they set out the journey, they walked it. Come on, somebody. Then cometh he to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. Somebody say it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? He's, he's breaking the man's laws now. The men's laws. For the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Let me know there was some, uh, there was some quarrel there. There was a, a level of separation between the Jews and the Samaritans. The Jews hated the Samaritans and the Samaritans hated the Jews. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knowest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldst have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. He's pointing at the well. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus saith unto her, Go call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands. And he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that saidest thou truly. The woman saith unto him, Sir. <laughs> Master of the obvious. I perceive that thou art a prophet. Okay, I'm just going to stop there. She comes, she comes to the well. Jesus is there. She, she wants, he offers her living water, and she shows a desire to have the living water. Somebody say amen. When he said, go get thy husband and come again, uh, she, she said, I don't have a husband. Okay, how many know that she told a half-truth there? Well, she told, uh, what is that, a fifth of a truth. <laughs> Amen. But Jesus, knowing her already, come on somebody. He knew where she had been, what she had done. Amen. And he began to speak to her of her own life. And in in what, had, what had come to pass. And she looks at him and said, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Amen. I want to I I preach to you today on this subject. He was here before you got here. Somebody say, he was here before I got here. Amen. Lay your Bibles down. Lift your hands to the Lord right now and just begin to pray to him. Lift your voice. Come on, lift your voice. In the house of the Lord today, God, I pray, Lord, to you, I, my heart is open. My heart is open to you, Lord. I want to utter your voice in this house, God. I pray that you would say what needs to be said, Lord. Do what needs to be done. Loose the faith, Lord, in this house required to bring your will to pass. I pray, God, that you would unction me, Lord, this morning. 
into a vein of the anointing, God, that would lead me to the heart of these people, Lord. It's not by might nor by power, but it's by your spirit. God, and I pray that you would move into the least and to the greatest this morning, God. I pray, Lord, that your spirit, God, would begin to minister to every heart, to every life, to every situation. Take us beyond ourselves today, Lord. And by the power of the anointing, I pray that you would destroy every yoke, God. I pray that you would issue forth your love and your wisdom, God, and revelation, Lord, in who you are. And we'll give you all the praise in Jesus precious name amen clap your hands one more time <laughs> praise the Lord you can be seated in the presence of the Lord amen Praise God. Praise the Lord. Approaching the bench. Thank you, Brother Smith. You didn't bring me any friends with this, did you? All right. Praise the Lord. How many is thankful for the word? Amen. I always give it a little bit of time and some people feel awkward in a little bit of silence. But if you sit here silent for a little while, all of a sudden everybody starts paying attention because it's awkward. Amen. It's not awkward for me though. I don't mind standing here with everybody looking at me in silence saying, when are you going to start speaking? Amen. He was here before you got here. In Colossians uh, 1, the Bible begins to speak about Jesus. And we have to understand that, that there is a, uh, an attribute of God. It's, it's not just something that he has it's it's who he is um he is he is uh he is prophetic in nature and whenever you talk about something being prophetic uh prophetic means that uh it's a it's a it's a foretelling it's a uh it's it's spoken before it is walked out Amen. It's, it's spoken way ahead of time before it's actually fulfilled. Somebody say amen. It's, it's, and, and the reason he's prophetic, prophetic is because he's eternal. There's a ring in, in, my, in one of these monitors. I'm not sure which one it is. Uh, but uh, he is, I think it's this one. Or maybe that's just my left ear ringing. I don't know. But when, whoa, it took all my power. <laughs> okay, all right. God is prophetic because he's eternal. Amen. We have to, and for us as finite beings, we have to really search the scriptures to get a hold of the fact that, that he's eternal. Amen. He's, what does it mean for him to be eternal? That means he's, he's outside of time. He doesn't, he's not dependent upon time. Amen. He's not dependent upon uh, uh, the past, the present, and the future. How many know that's how, we, that's how we schedule time? It's past things, it's present things, and it's future things. Amen. But he's not bound by time. He's eternal. Amen. He is, he is before all things. He is, he is beyond all things, after all things. Amen. He, uh, the, the Bible says in Colossians 1, 16 through 17, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, 
visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things and by him all things consists. Amen. In John uh, Revelation 1.8, John writes in the book of Revelations, I am Alpha and Omega, Jesus talking, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is, which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. Amen. How many know that the eternal encompasses all of time. Amen. It's not just where we've been and where we're at now, but it's everything that's ever going to be. Come on, somebody. It's beyond where we're at now. Amen. And we as children of God, I'm struggling with my voice. I need a little more monitor. We as children of God, we we depend upon the word of God and the eternal nature of God. Amen. Without the eternal nature of God being manifested in us and in our walk with God, we'll never get where God wants us to be. Amen. How many know that we need the prophetic in our lives? And we know that the word of God in and of itself is prophetic. How many know that when he began to speak his word in the garden, that he said it and then it was. Amen. He spoke it and it became all that he had spoken. Amen. The word of God is what gives life to all of creation. It's what gives life to the plan and the purpose of God. And it's what gives life to us as spiritual children of the living God. Without the word of God operating in our lives, we don't know where we're at. We don't know where we've been. And we absolutely don't know where we're going. We need the direction of the word of God in our lives uh, more now than we ever have. Amen. Amen. Give me a little bit more, Matt. Remember the former things of old. Isaiah 46, 9. For I am God. Somebody say, he's God. And there is none else. I am God. And there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, the things that are not yet done saying my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure calling a ravenous bird from the east, the man that executeth my counsel from a far country. Yea, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. Amen. How many know that there's a process with the word of God? He speaks it and then he walks it out. He speaks it and then he fulfills it. He utters his voice and then he makes it come to pass. Amen. This is why we can have faith in God's word. Because if he's spoken it, it's going to come to pass. If he's declared it, he's seen it from the ending. Come on, somebody. He's not talking from the beginning. He's not talking from the past or the present. But he's talking out of eternity. He's already at the end of the story. And I want to tell you today, look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Come on. Who wrote the story. If you want to know what happens in the end, you got to talk to the author. Let him whisper in your ear the wonderful works of God. Clap your hands to the Lord. He's worthy. Amen. Somebody say prophetic. There are above 300 prophecies about Jesus in the Old Testament. Everybody stay with me here. This is going to be good, I promise you. There are about 300 prophecies about Jesus in the Old Testament. Okay? These prophecies are specific enough that the mathematical probability of Jesus fulfilling even a handful of them, let alone all of them, is staggeringly improbable. If not as close to impossible as it can be. Peter Stone he is chairman of the departments of mathematics and astronomy at Pasadena College. He was passionate about biblical prophecies. 
With 600 students from the InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, Stoner looked at eight specific prophecies about Jesus. They came up with extremely conservative probabilities for each one being fulfilled and then considered the likelihood of Jesus fulfilling all eight of these prophecies. The conclusion of his research was staggering. The prospect that anyone would satisfy these eight prophecies was one in 10 to the 17th power. Okay, most of us have no idea what that means. If you know what that means, raise your hand. What's that number? <laughs> Calculate that number in your mind real quick. 106 what? More than that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a ridiculous odds. Okay. Uh, in Science Speaks, which is a magazine, I believe, he describes it like this. Let us try to visualize this chance. If you mark one of ten tickets and place all the tickets in a hat and thoroughly stir them up and then ask a blindfolded man to draw one, his chance of getting the right ticket is one in ten. Okay? One in ten is not very good odds, is it? Are you still with me? Suppose that we take ten to the 17th power silver dollars and lay them on the face of Texas. They will cover all of the state Two feet deep. Every square inch. Two feet deep. Now mark one of these silver dollars and stir, stir them up thoroughly all over the state. Blindfold a man and tell him that he can travel as far as he wishes, but he must pick up one silver dollar and say that this is the right one. What chance would he have of be of getting the right one? Think about it. Just the same chance that the prophets would have had of writing the eight prophecies and having them all come true in any one man from their day to the present time, providing they wrote using their own wisdom. Now we have to understand that God doesn't operate by chance. Amen. We're talking about the chances of him fulfilling something that has been spoken. Over 300 prophecies. Can you, can you imagine the probability of one man fulfilling every biblical prophecy about the Messiah? Amen. Every detail of the prophecies. Come on. From the place he was born to how he would be killed to, to all the things that he would go through. His birth. Come on. Uh, where he would come from. Amen. Uh, from old times they prophesied the prophecies of the Messiah coming. And when Jesus came, he fulfilled every prophecy that was spoken to a T. There wasn't one prophet, prophecy spoken about him that was left unfulfilled. What I'm preaching you to, to you today is that God is not by chance. When God's word speaks, it's 100%. Come on. There's no chance that it will not be fulfilled. There's no chance that it will not come to pass. Amen. Somebody say amen. That's just eight prophecies. Amen. That's just... Uh, that's just a handful of prophecies, the details of those prophecies and all that were spoken in those. He fulfilled it. Somebody say he fulfilled it. Amen. Not only was his, his birth revealed, but God planned his lineage from the beginning. How I many know he planned, he didn't just plan Jesus' birth. He planned the very lineage that he would come through. Amen. In Genesis 12, 3, he told Abraham, he said, I will bless thee, them that bless thee. I will curse them that curseth thee. And in all thee shall all the nations of the world be blessed. All the families of the world will be blessed because of what I'm going to bring through you. Amen. And the fulfillment of that prophecy was Acts 3, 25 through 26. And you are the children of the prophets 
of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying uh, to Abraham, In thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed unto you first. God, having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning away everyone from their iniquities. How many know that he just didn't speak it? He brought it to pass. Amen. In the prophecy of the virgin birth. Amen. In the book of, in the book of Isaiah 7, 4, he said, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Amen. The fulfillment of that prophecy. How many know Isaiah was writing hundreds of years before the coming of the Lord? Amen. Before Jesus was born, he was writing this hundreds of years before. Then said Mary unto the angel, how shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Amen. Matthew 1.22 said it this way. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Amen. How many know he speaks it and then he fulfills it? Amen. There was a prophetic word that he'd be born in Bethlehem. Amen. Micah 5, 2. But thou, Bethlehem Ephrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me. That is to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth has been of old from everlasting. Amen. That's out, out of Micah in the Old Testament. Amen. And the fulfillment in Matthew 2 and 4 through 6 when he had, and he said, and when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, and thou Bethlehem in the land of Judah art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Amen. Understand today that God declares the ending from the beginning. Amen. How many know that that was when Herod was searching for the child that was to be born? He heard that there was going to be a king born. And so he brought the scribes and the chief priests and they told him out of what city that the, the, the Messiah was to be born. And how many know he started trying to kill the babies to stomp out what God was about to do in the earth or what he was about to bring forth. But I want to tell you, man can't stomp out what God puts in order. Man can't stomp out what God does. Man can't do away with what God has purposed in his word. Amen. How many know that he was born two years old? The angel went to Joseph, gave him a, uh, 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 told him to leave and take the child to Egypt. Uh, he left uh, uh, Bethlehem, Nazareth area and went to Egypt. Amen. And spent some time in Egypt uh, until Herod had passed uh, because God will preserve his word. God will pre preserve the prophecies and God will fulfill all that he has spoken. Christ's ministry was prophesied. I can't possibly do them all, so, uh, you know, I don't have the time. Christ's ministry will destroy the works of the devil. Genesis 3, 15, after the fall of mankind. How many know the Lord began to speak to Abraham, to, not to Abraham, to Adam and to Eve and to the serpent. And he said, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, talking about the serpent and between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. Basically what he was saying is that the, the head of the serpent shall be bruised by the foot of the seed of man. Come on of the, through the seed of, of the woman that, that the, 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 the seed that he brings forth is going to destroy him in such a way. He's going to stomp on his head so hard. It's going to bruise his head, but it's going to bruise his foot. Amen. Fulfillment. 1 John 3, 8. He that committeth sin is from the devil. 
For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose was the Son of God manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Somebody say amen. Am I boring you? Jesus would become the perfect sacrifice. How many know it was prophesied from old time? David in the book of Psalms began to talk about 6 through 8, uh, chapter 40, 6 through 8. Sacrifice and offering thou didst not desire. Mine ears hast thou opened. Burnt offering and sin offering hast thou not required. Then said I, lo, I come. That's the Lord talking. In the volume of the book, it is written of me. I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy, thy law is within my heart. And then when Jesus came, how many know when Paul was talking in the book of Hebrews chapter 10, and he's talking about who Jesus was. He said, wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hast had no pleasure. Then I said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me. To do thy will, O God. Above when he said, Sacrifice and offering, and burnt offerings, and offering for sin, thou wouldest not, neither hadst pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second, by the which will we, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. How many know that he just didn't talk about it in the Old Testament? He didn't just talk about the sacrifice and what would happen on the cross, but he walked it out in real time and he brought it to pass shedding his blood as a ransom for all of mankind and abolishing sin in the earth. Somebody say amen. Clap your hands to the Lord. He's worthy. In Isaiah 53, he talks about all of the punishment. If you get time today, I, uh, I, I ask you to go back and, and read. You're not going to be watching TV, so you might as well read the Bible. Let me give an altar call. Come and repent. Got awkward in here real quick. Somebody's laser beaming me with their eyes. Isaiah 53 talks about all the punishment that he would go through. Uh, Isaiah, the book of Isaiah really is prophetic when it comes to uh, the Lord and his coming and all that he done and all the, a lot of that he fulfilled. And then in Revelations, the Bible tells us, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Amen. That, that everything that, that Jesus went through on the cross how many know that all that was a plan from the foundation of the world? Amen. It was, a, it was the fulfillment of all that God had purposed from. What is the foundation of the world? It's the creation. Amen. Uh, was God caught by surprise when man sinned in the garden? Come on. Was God caught by surprise when, when they took Jesus and they began to beat him? Was God caught by surprise when, 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 they, when they put the crown of thorns on his head and they, they wrapped him in the scarlet robe? Come on. Was God surprised when they stripped him of his raiment? Come on. And how many know that they cast lots to see who would get the garment of Jesus? That was all prophesied. Was, was God worried when they nailed him to that old rugged cross? Come on. And lifted him up in total humiliation and shame before the whole world. 
world. Amen. Was God God surprised when they hung him between two thieves? Come on. Was God surprised when, when, when they pierced him in the side? Come on. Was God surprised when they came to break his legs, but he was already dead? No, because it was prophesied that none of his bones would be broken. Amen. They broke the legs of the thief on the right side and the thief on the left side, but Jesus was already dead. Was God surprised when he looked at him and he was marred more than any man? Was God surprised that they beat him? To the place where he was unrecognizable. No, he was not. Because it was spoken. It was prophesied from the foundation of the world. And those words were not uttered out of the voice of just men. But those words were spoken from the throne of God. They were uttered out of the voice and the plan and the purpose of God. And I'll preach to you this morning, if you're walking in the will of God, if your life's ordered by his word, you have nothing to fear. You have nothing to worry about. I don't care what the circumstance arises in your life to try to turn your head. You are in the will of God, doing the will of God. I'm walking in the word of the Lord. Come on, and it shall be fulfilled. Somebody say, it shall be fulfilled. Why don't we lift our hands to the Lord right now and just worship him. Just for a moment. Just for a moment. Oh. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. The book of Luke chapter 7. John the Baptist was the forerunner of Jesus Christ. That means that there was a prophetic word that went out about John the Baptist. That he would be the forerunner of Christ. That there would be a voice crying in the wilderness. Amen. Make straight paths for your feet. Amen. How many know that he preached repentance and it was prophesied that he would operate in the spirit of Elijah? Amen. It was was spoken in Old Testament prophecy. And when John the Baptist came on the scene, he began to preach repentance. The Bible says that he, he girded himself with a leather girdle, a leather belt, and, and he ate locusts and wild honey. Amen. He didn't hang out in the temple. He hung out in the wilderness with the Lord. Amen. He was, he was, he was a preacher of repentance. And everywhere he went preaching repentance and baptizing people unto repentance. Right? And when he saw Jesus coming to be baptized, he said, Behold... The Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the whole world. Amen. How many know that when, uh, when he spoke of Jesus, he said, he said, uh, there's one coming after me whose shoes I'm not able to bear. I'm not even able to unloose his shoes. I baptize you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Amen. He preached about the one that would come after. And when he saw Jesus, he recognized him and declared him to be the lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the whole world. He baptized Jesus in the river Jordan. And when he baptized Jesus, there was a voice spoke from heaven. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And the Holy Ghost descended upon him like as of a dove and sat upon him. Amen. It was making, it was making a, a witness, a bearing witness that he was who John said he was. Well, when Jesus started his ministry, John got arrested. How many know John got arrested? John the Baptist got arrested and was put in prison. Amen. Uh, eventually, he would be executed. Amen. But as he's in prison, he sends for a couple of his disciples that followed him. And, and, and he, asks, he tells them, he says, And John, calling two of his disciples, sent to them, Jesus saying, Art thou he that should come, or look we for for another? When the men were coming to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us unto thee, saying, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? And in that same hour he cured many of their infirmities and plagues, and of evil spirits. And unto many that were blind he gave sight. 
Then Jesus answering said unto them, Go your way and tell John what things you have seen and heard. How that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and to the poor the gospel is preached. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. And when the messengers of John were departed, he began to speak unto the people concerning John. What went, ye, what went ye out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind? But what went ye out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they which are gorgeously appareled and live delicately are in king's courts. But what went ye out for to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and much more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written. Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. For I say unto you among those that are born of woman there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist but hold on a minute John had a revelation of who Jesus was he saw him coming on the on the banks of the Jordan and he said behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world but when he was thrown in prison come on when circumstances arised in his life where where he could not see the happenings of God or he could not see how this could be God's will or am I in the right place am I giving my life for the right person come on there was a seed of doubt that rose up in his life to the revelation that he already had amen John the Baptist called two of his disciples he said I want you to go and ask him are you the one or should we wait for another amen are you the one because I'm getting ready to get executed. Come on. Amen. How many's ever been there? Amen. You got a word from the Lord. Come on. God manifested his self in your life. He spoke to your situation. He, he, he spoke to, to, to whatever was going on. And in the moment of, uh, of revelation, there was such clarity. Amen. In the moment of revelation, there, were, there, was a, there was a clearness of the purpose of God and the way of God. But when the circumstances begin to crowd in around you and the pressure of what you're going through starts pushing on you, now all of a sudden you doubt the revelation of the word of God that you had in the past. And in that moment of prison, Jesus sent those messengers back to him and said, let me tell you something. You don't take, I'm not going to send necessarily my words back, but I'm going to send the prophetic words. You let him know the things that you're seeing happen, how that the blind see and the lame walk and the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised and the poor have the gospel preached because all of those things things were prophesied in the Old Testament. And if Jesus knew anything, he knew that John the Baptist understood the prophetic nature of the Old Testament scripture. And he knew that he would find comfort in the words of what was happening on the outside. Amen. Too many times we get locked up in our situation and we lose sight of what all that God is doing. Come on. We get locked up in our prison Come on, in, in our circumstance, and we can't see what God's doing in everybody else's life and what he's doing all around us, how the word of God's being fulfilled all around us. We're locked up in our circumstance with our doubt and with our darkness. We need to cast that aside today and say, you know what? I'm in a mess right now. I really don't understand it, but I know one who is, and I'm walking in the word and the will of God, and I will not perish, but I shall prosper. Amen. I'm not going to perish. You need to cast off every lion spirit, every devil that's whispering in your ear, trying to steal your joy, steal your joy, trying to steal your relationship with God, trying to steal the revelation of all that God has shown you. Come on, hold fast to the end and be strong in the power of his might. God will show up in the perfect time. Clap your hands to the Lord. He's worthy. must just be me. It's, it's uh, five after 12 and I haven't even got back to the woman at the well. Amen. 
Do we understand a little bit more of who God is? How many know that he, He's everlasting? Not moved by circumstance. Not changed by situation. Not changed by generations. Come on. Not changed by the laws and the ways of men. Amen. He is established. His word is forever settled. He is the same. His plan is written out. Amen. His plan and his purpose are already been finished. It's just our responsibility to find the word of God for our lives and just hold on to that thing and just keep walking towards eternity. Amen. I'm not moving to the right hand or to the left because God's got a hold of my life and I'm walking in the will and the purpose of God. Man, you got to have that confidence. Somebody say, day by day. Jesus tells his disciples, we're going to make this journey, but i got to make a stop. I must needs go through Samaria. Amen. They, uh, they didn't really have a say, so they went along with him, but the journey was long. Amen. And it was a hard journey. And when when Jesus got to the well, Jacob's well, Jacob's well is in Shechem. All right? We know the valley of Shechem, the valley of decision, where Joshua and Moses both took the children of Israel. Mount Gerizim on one side, Mount Ebal on the other. Amen. Read the curses, looked at Mount Ebal, read the curses. It's a barren mountain. Amen. No life on that mountain, rocky, dead, desolate. And he said, if you, if you don't follow my word, this is what your life's going to be. It's going to be barren. It's going to be filled with death. It's going to be nothing. Amen. Wilderness. But he said, if you obey my commandments, it's going to be like Mount Gerizim, flourishing with life, full of life, water, uh, trees, uh, uh, animals, creatures. It's going to be flourishing and with life. If you follow my commandments, you're going to have a life like a, a, a watered garden. If you don't follow my commandment, it's going to be hard. Well, Jacob's well was in that valley. If you look it up and the, and the, the uh, how the land's laid out and everything, Sychar was at the opening of Shechem, right at the end. And Jacob's well was there. All right? And so when Jesus ventures to that well, he has one purpose in mind. Amen. He knows what that well represents, and he knew who was going to be there. Okay? So when he... He gets to the well. The Bible says he's wearied with his journey. And they obviously didn't bring enough food because he sent his disciples to town to buy some groceries. That sounds good right now. Somebody's looking forward to some groceries. <laughs> Tough crowd this morning. Are you wore out already? Yeah. And so, as he's sitting on the well, the Bible said he's wearied with his journey. It was hard work for him to get there. Amen. Rough country to get there. But he got there before she did. Amen. He was, he was, he was waiting on her when she got there. Sitting on the well. The well was sitting on the well. You know, he's the well. Amen. The well was sitting on the well waiting on the woman to come from Samaria. And when she comes, she comes with her pitcher to draw water out of the well. And she gets to the well, and Jesus immediately strikes up a conversation with her. He says, um, why don't you give me to drink? Give me a drink of that water. And she, taken back by uh, the conversation he begins to make with her, because the, the Samaritans and the Jews are at odds with one another, and they never talk. Amen. They're, they're, it's, it was unlawful for the Jews to talk to the Samaritans, to eat with the Samaritans, to drink with the Samaritans, to, to, to have any dealings at all with the Samaritans. Amen. But when, when Jesus came, amen, how many know that the plan and the purpose of God is greater than man's discrimination. Amen. It's greater than, than any fallout that man can have. 
Come on. It's greater than any wall than any man can put between people or peoples or nations. Amen. When the word of God is at stake, how many know it's going to prevail every time? Amen. And so Jesus immediately climbs over that wall and he begins to converse with the lady. He begins to ask her for a drink. And she says, why are you asking me for a drink? You know that I can't give you a drink. I, mean, I don't even understand why you're asking me for something that I can't give you. Man, and he said, well, if, if you knew the gift of God and who it was, was talking to you, then you would have asked of him, and he would have gave you a drink of living water. Man, he would have he, he given you what you longed for. Amen. Because she was going to that well in an attempt to, to fulfill her thirst but how many knows that, that, that every time that she went back that, to that well, her, her, her basin was empty. Amen. Every time she'd take it home and after, after a little while, that basin would become empty. And she would have to go back to that well and get another fill up. Amen. She would take it home and she would consume that water. And then she would have to go back to that well and get another fill up. But Jesus said, you're, uh, uh, you're, you're going to thirst after that water, but I'm going to give you a water that you'll never thirst again. Amen. But that water shall be in you, a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And he's talking, of course, about the outpouring of the Holy Ghost and the outpouring that God wanted to give to mankind. Amen. He speaks of it as water, as a well of water, as fountains of water springing up unto everlasting life. Amen. And she says, give me this water that I may thirst or that I may drink and never thirst. He's like, okay, well. We got some hurdles to jump over here. Go get your go get your husband. She's like, well, I, I don't have a husband. You know, uh, we we give as little information as possible. You know, the truth comes out in in spurts, right? We give, in a moment, what we're capable of telling. And then something else happens, and then a little more of it comes out. You know what I'm talking about? You, you have kids? We've all experienced it in our life where we, we feel like we only give enough information as necessary. We're like a vault. Amen. And anytime you're closed off and you're not being honest with yourself, you're not being honest with God, you're not being honest with yourself. Amen. There has to be a level of honesty that comes over us before we can be receptive to what God has for us. Somebody say amen. And so he calls her on her, her half-truth, whatever you want to call it. And he says, uh, no, you don't have a husband. You, you, you told the truth there. You have five, right? You've had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. And she's like, who are you talking to? Which one of them called you? Right? Which one of you... Which one of them messaged you on Facebook and told you my story? Amen. Uh, she's starting to wonder here. What? Whoa. How does he know this? Right? How, how does he know what, what all the thing, what I've done? How does he know that I've had five husbands and the guy I'm living with right now is not my husband? Amen. How does he know? Jesus didn't pull any punches. Amen. He didn't hold it back. He, he let her know immediately. I know who you are. Amen. You can pretend like you don't have a husband and you've never had a husband, but I know who you are. Come on. I know where you've been. I know what you've done because I declare the ending from the beginning. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro through the whole earth. How many know all things are naked and opened to the eyes with whom we have to do? We can't do anything and hide it from the eyes and the hand of God. He sees it all. He knows it all. It's written in a book. Come on. How many know all the operations of our life, decisions we've made? 
many things we've done. It's all written in a book. There's a record of it. Our lives are not just a life that's by chance, that, that's out there floating on a breeze, just waiting to dissolve. There is a plan. Come on. There's a purpose. Amen. And when Jesus meets her at the well, he's there before her with a plan that was upon her life before she got to the well. Amen. How many know that he foresaw her? He didn't just show up on a whim and just by chance come to that well. He must needs go through Samaria and let that woman know, I know what you've done. I know what you've been. If you'll be honest with me, I'll be honest with you and I'll, I'll give you living water. He gave, made it available to her even though even though she didn't know or understand, know how he knew what he knew. He offered her living water, which is eternal life. He offered her all that he had in exchange for her to be honest and sincere with him. For everybody that worships him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Because how many know that's what the father seeks to worship him? Amen. He still offered it to her. He knew. You know, God don't show up and say, uh, come on to the altar and repent, you know. I love you. Come on, give your life to me. And then you, sh- you show up at the altar and you start telling him what you've done. Asking for forgiveness. God's not there thinking, oh man, no. You know, it, the first thing, yeah, I could, but that, come on. You know what I'm talking about. He kneels down next to you listening to your prayer. Oh, no, 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 no. That, that's too bad. You've, you've gone too far. Come on. You, you've, you've, you've done too much. You, you, can't, you can't be forgiven. Amen. But I want to tell you this morning, amen, that God showed up before you were here and he prepared it before you got here. Amen. He wasn't, he, he wasn't, he wasn't just asking you to come. He knew you were going to come. He knew you were going to have a need for him. And if you're willing to be honest with God and you're willing to pour it out before him and ask for forgiveness, he is faithful and he is just to forgive you of your sin and to clean you from all unrighteousness. I don't care what you've done. You can't utter anything that he has not already heard and seen. Amen. How many know he was here before we got here? He was here. He's not caught by surprise. Come on, he doesn't get caught by surprise for the happenings of our life. You know, there are things that arise in our lives that we might feel like uh, that we don't understand and we don't know the way to go and we don't know how to get out of it and we don't know where to go from here. But I want to tell you this morning that God and His infinite mercy and His His infinite knowledge and power and wisdom and, and how that He is before all things and beyond all things, He can speak a word in one moment and give life to your faith and give life to the revelation that you once had. How many believe that? While you stand to your feet around the building, lift your hands to the Lord. He is worthy. Come on, let's just praise Him for a moment. Come on, let's praise Him. Lift your voice. Don't depend on your neighbor to do it. Why don't you do it yourself? Lift your voice unto the Lord. God, I need you today. My heart is open to all that you want to do today. In the name of Jesus. 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 The woman that shows up at the well. If you look at, if you read the commentaries and things I've read in times past that she came there at noon. Nobody draws water at noon. 
they would always go in the morning or in the evening to draw their water. But it's been said that she would go at noon because she was an outcast. And that she wouldn't go to the well when everybody else was there. She would go to the well by herself because she saw herself unworthy and she was never accepted by the other women of the town because of the things she had done and the places she had been. But when she showed up that day, there's somebody waiting on her. He was waiting on her with a word for her future. And to let her know that regardless of what she's done and where she had been, salvation was not just for the Jews. Come on. But salvation was for all people. And that what he came to do had the ability to tear down the walls that separated her from true worship. Amen. And he gave her a simple word and said, go get your husband. And it was a statement that to, to some of us might not mean much, but to her, it opened up that area of her heart that had caused her the most trouble. And he already knew. He let her know. I already know where you've been. I already know. It's a lot easier to tell the truth when the person you're telling it to already knows. Isn't it? You know, that's why a lot of times we caught our kids doing, you know, breaking things or getting into stuff they shouldn't be in and we find out about it. We investigate it. We find out who it was. And then we call them together and we say, all right, we're going to give you an opportunity to own up. But just to give you a little heads up, we already know. Now, I wouldn't do that unless I already knew. We already know who the culprit is, so. And then you see it. It was me. Amen. You know, if we confess our sin, if we're honest with God, God is open with us. The only way that you can be truly, truly saved is that you're open and honest with God. You know, if, you, if you're hiding behind where you've been and what you've done and you think nobody knows, I mean, is the preacher going to have to step out on the end of the platform and begin to call it out? How would that feel? Huh? That'd feel pretty bad, wouldn't it? But Jesus caught her one-on-one. -on -one, not to condemn her. To free her from the guilt that she's living captive to. Having no understanding that he's before her and was there a long time before she got there. Before he was even born of the virgin. He already had a plan to stop at the well. That's the way God works. He doesn't work by chance. Amen. Before, before he even uh, began his ministry, there was, a, there was a day put on the calendar. Come on, somebody, that I'm going to Sychar that day. I'm going to Samaria. There's a woman that's going to need me there. She needs me to be sitting on that well, waiting on her to get there. I'm going to give her what she needs. How many know that he, he touched her life, and it was her life that opened up a revival in Samaria? Come on. That later on, when Philip went to Samaria, he preached Jesus, and the whole city believed. 
She was a key that unlocked that whole city of Samaria. And when Peter and John came down, laid hands on them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. And they received the Holy Ghost the same way that they did in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. I want to tell you, I don't care where you've been, what you've done, where you come from. God knows already. I don't care. The things that you've done are not beyond anything that he's ever seen and heard before. But uh, there has to be an honesty that we come before him. And we just lay our heart out on the altar and God's able to get in there and he's able to heal those broken hearts of our spirit come on somebody is there anybody in the house that needs that today is there anybody in this house that feels a desire to get down with God and just be honest with him this morning amen every saint of God you should be in this altar this morning calling on the name of the Lord amen I don't want anything to stand between me and my God I don't want anything to stand between me and true worship come on because if it's not honest it's false come on in the name of Jesus, he was here before you got here. He's not caught by surprise. He's not wondering what he's going to do to get past it. He's already got a plan. He's not wondering what he's going to do to change your life around. He's already got a plan. He's not wondering where he's going to take you from here. He's already got a plan. All you got to do is tap into it. Come on, tap into the eternal nature of God and call on his name. Yes, Lord. Come on. Come on. This is where forgiveness is. This is where deliverance is at. Come on. You got to be honest with God. He sees it. He declares the ending from the beginning. He knows. He sees. He's beyond it. He can pull you out of it. Come on. He can heal you from it. In the name of Jesus. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church of Cambridge podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up with our weekly sermons. If you are in the Cambridge area, we invite you to join us on Sundays at 11 a.m. Again, thanks for listening and we hope to see you soon.